a little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Blog Talk Radio. And she has written the chemistry files. 
and she is reading from nine the book nine x sister Seta said how are you feeling tonight i'm doing great sister beth peace how are you and the family good good peace to you well, kind of give us uh, an update on on what's going on with the uh, book and the story, where we at, bring us up to the chapter we are now. And for some of the people that don't know who Sister Seta Aset is, kind of tell them uh, what you're working on and what's going on with Sister Seta Aset. Okay. Um, hello, family. This is Sister Seta Aset, and I want to first say that uh, the books that we're reading from are called the Chemistry Trilogies. They are fiction, nonfiction for entertainment purposes only. There is uh, some information in there that that is nonfiction, but then fiction is written around it to to entertain the family. And um, I just want to get that out there. Um, I am an author, science fiction. And, of course, in today's society, uh, fiction is, you know, science fiction is playing a big part in the nonfiction. So we don't know, we don't know, we're getting to understand that maybe it's not so much, you know, fiction as we thought. Uh, Things are coming, (laughs) things are coming to pass where we, you know, we're like, oh, wow. I mean, like, really? You know? Uh, so, um, you know, I kind of did these novels back in 2008 because some of the things that is happening now I wrote in the past. And as we go along while I read, you know, I'm even astounded at some of the things that I've written because you know, when when I at the time I was writing them, I never dreamed that they would be happening now. There's five out there right now, uh, Chemistry Bright Light, which I think we read, we started – reading that i don't know if we started last year or earlier this year but uh the first one is bright light uh gathering of the vanguard the war which we previously read right now we're in chemistry 9x um the last book is um in the realm of the gods also i'm working on one now right now called chemistry Area 51, it is dedicated to Dr. Delbert Blair. I think he's a mentor to a lot of people. He certainly was to me. And I'm also uh, dealing with one right now called Cosmic Legacy, which will take us to the beginning of time when we first, when our DNA first hit this planet, when there was no other DNA here, but highly melanated people. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. And I'm also working on a script for uh, the chemistry, Bright Light, I'm only doing five of those, so if you want one of those, let me know, and uh, we can get that out there to you. And my website is chemistryfiles.com. That's K-E-M-E-T-S-T-R-Y files.com. And my email is chemistryfiles at gmail.com. You can also go to Gumroad, G-U-M-R-O-A-D, to acquire the uh, chemistry uh uh, oh God! Uh, the chemist—it <laughs> escapes me every time I want to say the chem- the chemistry script. Okay, it's only going to be five of those. You can go there to get that, and you can also go to Gumroad to get the audio version of the Bright Light if you want to go back and listen to that and keep that in your archives. 
Oh, okay. and I want to say one more thing, Sister Beth. Uh-huh. You know, we talked uh-huh. about uh, we talked about the black hole in this mm-hmm. book that we're in now, Chemistry 9X. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I come up on some information uh, about that black hole, and I know that you've been talking about it for a while. A lot of people have been talking about mm-hmm. it. And I found some information on it where the this I don't know if this uh it's a super giant star that will explode mm-hmm. and they call it Beetlegeist. You ever okay. hear to see the movie Beetlejuice? It's called yes. it's called Beetlegeist, okay? And they're saying mm-hmm. the star will explode, it's just a matter of when. Okay, and it's gonna create this particular black hole that everybody's been talking about. So I looked mm-hmm. into it and um okay. This star is sitting right outside of, uh, I think it's sitting right outside of Orion Constellation. And uh, okay. they're looking for it to explode any time now. And they were saying, they were saying, and, and it, you know, it reminds me of the supernova 187. Yeah. So if yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> so if this thing explodes, you know, I suggest that we get out there and take and get all of this information. So when this thing explodes, this is, I think this is the time when we need to be out there gathering this information because I think we're also going to be sent a light code from this star. And they're looking at mid-April. They're saying after mid-April, the star will be harder to observe because it tracks will send will send the tracks toward the sun. So when they're okay. telling us. They're telling us right now, because of this COVID-19, this coronavirus, Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. should be in the house and that we Mm -hmm. should be afraid of this virus. I think it's a code for having our people inside to not catch this supernova when it explodes so that we can get this information. Exactly. You know, so, yeah, so, and we are sun people anyway. We worship the sun. Our people worshiped Mm -hmm. the sun. We're, we shouldn't be afraid of it like, you know, the Caucasoid have you to think because they get sick from it. We don't get sick from it. So I think it's all a cover for our people. So I'm not telling anyone or I'm not encouraging anyone to go outside because of this so-called virus. You know, it's up to you whether you go or not or, you know, whether you do things different from what they're saying, but I've been out each and every day since they since they said don't go out. I've been out, and I've been just fine. As a matter of fact, I've been going. I've been growing stronger. I haven't been mm-hmm. getting weaker. I don't have a cold. I don't have any sniffles or anything. And you know, mm-hmm. of course, where I am, it's been like eighty, seventy, and eighty degrees every day. Oh yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but I've been out there. So. It's, it's it's up to you guys, but look forward to that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, and I and I'm with you. I agree with you, and I've been out too. And just like they've been, you know, blocking the sun here in the north where I'm at. But but on the days that we had the sun, I make sure like today we, it was a very sunny day here. So I was out all mm-hmm. day. I have not worn no mask. None. Mm-hmm. I ordered one, but I haven't wore it, and I haven't had any problems either. So, and I read about that uh, too. You know, and and um, the the uh, doctor I had on yesterday, he kind of touched on it too. You know that the black hole usually suck the energy in, 
But this black hole spit it out. And you know the black hole, that is just pure melanin and other things. And so he called it, he, mm-hmm. it burnt, you know. So like when you vomit mm-hmm. or you, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what it's doing. And it, it, and then at the end, I saw a picture of it. Then at the end, it, it looked like the sun. I personally think that the sun is a, a black hole because when you look at it, when you do the sun glazing, gazing, uh, it, you can see the black, mm-hmm. like behind. The, and, and I and they say that if you go up in space, the sun is not yellow. It turns yellow because of the gravity when it hits our gravity. But if you up in space, it is a black hole. It's no light in the mm-hmm. sun. It's a, it's a black hole. So, um, you know, I, you're absolutely I, I right, Sister agree. Beth. <laughs> agree you own it. You know, it only it it only looks bright to us because when it hits yes. the atmosphere, you know, yes. it changes it changes it to meet mm-hmm. our needs here on this planet. Yeah, but if, when you go out in space, there is darkness. There is no, I, yes. you know, there's yes. been observed yeah. where there is no sun. Where's the sun? You know. Yeah. So I, yeah, you yeah, are you are on point with that. <laughs> and I think that since we're setting in, since they have us inside, you know, this is the time for us to, to do our research. You know, a lot of us is really getting back into who we are. And part of who we are, we're galactic people. So we need to also get back into the science like you did. You researched on that. I did that. I heard about it and I researched on it. And so that's what we need to do. We have time now. This is not the time to be sitting around looking at the idiot box. Exactly. It's been beautiful here. So I've gotten in my truck and thrown me a blanket in there, and I've been out sitting on the grass in the sunlight doing my research and mm-hmm. writing, you know, and just enjoying mm-hmm. the sun. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I have yeah. not, you know, I refuse to be in the house to be dumbed down as <laughs> Dr. Blair says, dumbed down comatose. and all these other things, you know. So, you know, we we need to get out there and we need to do this. Now, they're saying, well, you don't have to wear a mask. You can wear a scarf. So they're pushing that now. So what is Mm -hmm. it? I mean, is it a scarf? Is it a mask? You're ordering these masks, but it's okay to wear a scarf. It's okay to go outside, just stay six feet away from each other, get your exercise or whatever. So what are they saying? You know, they're contradicting themselves really, really exactly. bad. And, and our people need to people, see the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what happens when people lie? Don't they do that when, when you when you talking to somebody and they lying? Don't they end up contradicting themselves? Exactly. And they're doing just that. It's a big contradiction. Mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. go within, go within yourself. Know who you are. This is the time. This is the time not to play around. We need to get out there, and we need to do what we do best. And that's instead of going, instead of looking what they're doing, you need to go the opposite way. Isn't that always the case? Yes, it is, which is the right that's way. That's always the case. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And And also, you know, stop listening so much to what they say and watch what they do. Now, just like the president and all of them, they've been holding uh, press conferences outside on the line, no, nobody wearing no masks. 
If you look at the news reporters, they they passing the they passing the mic around. They spitting all on the mic, talking all on the mic, and they passing the mic around. Now, what that tell you? They saying well, think one of thing, this. but they doing it, something else. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, they they are they are known liars. Okay, they're known liars. Uh, if you look at the president, vice president, uh, 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 Burks, and everybody else that's standing up there near the podium, they're not six feet apart. No. Nope. They're within inches nope. of each other. Exactly. So what does that say? Exactly. <laughs> so, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Instead, Watch, you know? instead of looking left the like they're looking. Exactly. Look right. Look the other way. And do and you. then, yes, and then do your research on the people that sit, mm-hmm. that's standing up there. Because that little doctor, uh, I call him Anthony, I can't pronounce his second last name. And that woman, I call her the scarf woman. If, like if you do oh. the research, you see them two right there, straight up globalists. They straight up want to inoculate everybody. But you wouldn't know that unless you did the research. Well, I keep hearing this medicine that's already readily available for everyone with this particular virus that's already out Mm -hmm. there, that's been out there for years, but instead they're pushing this particular vaccine, that tells you something Mm -hmm. as well. Exactly. You know, so what are are they saying? They're contradicting each other. They're lying. Right. They are lying. And we need to, we need to look past that. And, and mm-hmm. one of the news guys asked the uh, doctor in New York, you know, he working with these patients. He, he said, how come you not getting sick? Why you haven't caught it? He said he took that, that um, medicine that they've been saying to take, not, mm-hmm. the, not the vaccine, but the, the one that. The hydro, hydrochloride the or hydrochloroquine. Yeah, yeah. He said he hydrochloroquine he or whatever that is. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And then also. Uh, you know, Dr. Sabe's son, his name is K.T. Arch Degree. That's Dr. Sabe's mm-hmm. son. And okay. he's a scientist. That, that, that young guy is brilliant. He's And he breaks, because he's a science. He knows the body. And he he he's on YouTube. And him and his brothers, he got two other brothers. They red pill, uh, blue pill, or something and blue like pill. that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And so... He broke it all down too, you know. And but he said that that uh, chloroquine, whatever it is, he said it works for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said mm-hmm. it works for them, but he says mm-hmm. it don't really work for us because of the melanin. So you know, you have to listen to I let can him see explain. That. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Let well, him you know, and if you and and too, Sister Bell, if you look at it. Uh, it's it's them that's falling over with this mess, you know, and then maybe mm-hmm. that's the reason why they keep bringing up the hydrochlorazine or what hydrochloroquine or whatever, because it's made for them because they're the ones that are falling over. I have yet to see yeah. any type of proof of our people just falling over in these streets, whether it yeah. has anything then, to do with 5G or not. I, I just I don't yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. Because where and I where the- I am. <clears throat> go ahead, Sister Beth. No, you go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, I was going to say, last couple of weeks ago, I was in the emergency room. And mm-hmm. I walked in there, 
And I didn't see, and then this is just for my observation, being nosy, okay? Mm-hmm. I walks in there, <laughs> and I don't see anybody. I was the only one in there, and I'm asking questions. Mm-hmm. Where is the, uh, where are the people, the, the flu victims? Where they, you know, said you had a lot mm-hmm. in the hospital. And the guy in there that's sitting at the desk told me, there's nobody here. There's nobody here sick. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I and I'm like, well, that's not what the news is saying. And I, you know, and I walked out, and it was there was no ambulances, no everybody's car was just parked. There was no movement nowhere. And this was like right at the height of it. And so that that right there told me this this is all lies. This is all this is is uh, seasonal. This is seasonal. This mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. is uh, uh, allergies. You know. This is all this is because right at this time, uh, we were just coming in, spring was just coming in the equinox. You know, you have a lot mm-hmm. of pollen in the air, whatever people had, like you know, it. they get allergies, they get a little slight, yeah. you know, because they say, well, if you got a slight flu, let us know if you got a little slight fever, you know, because you may have the coronavirus. Hell, if you got a slight fever, you just got a slight fever. There's nothing else wrong with you. Right. But they want to they wanna give you. It seemed like they want to give you the coronavirus. They want everybody to have it. They want you to be afraid. Go ahead, Sophia. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. and that that's a, a Robert X did the same thing you did, and he in Chicago, and he went around to the uh, hospitals, and he said the same thing you said. Somebody another caller, I think they was in Colorado. They did the same thing. So people is going and looking for themselves, and the people is not there. Well, the and reason why I one, did it. <clears throat> go ahead, Sister <clears throat> And one lady well, here. Well, I, I went up. Uh huh. One lady here. She went to the hospital, but this lady had heart tr- problems, and she mm-hmm. went in the hospital. They would not let her family in, and then they came back and told everybody she died. How do you know? You know oh. what's going on because when they won't let the family in, and that's and I heard other people. Uh, online saying the same thing. Then I heard people saying that they said that their family died from Corolla, and they said that their family didn't die from that, and they was telling you what ailment that their family had. So every death, they saying that it's the virus, and it's not. So this is just, I mean, it's just being unveiled. Well, Sister Bev, you know what they're doing. They are trying yeah. to push this vaccine. Yeah. They're trying to push whatever this vaccine is to have you all tied up and hooked up and 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 everything else that Dr. Blair said they do to you. Mm-hmm. And uh and, and Chicago is supposed to be a hotbed and nobody yeah. there? No. Oh, the, or the, oh my god. Dr. X say Dr. X say he went to three hospitals. Mm. And and other people well, did it too. Well, I I did it because I saw uh, this pale guy. I'm gonna call him pale because they they mm-hmm. why I just say a Caucasian. He was going mm-hmm. around these hospitals in New York City, mm-hmm. and he asked he asked security guard. He had several security guards. He asked the ambulance driver, and it was about maybe ten to eleven ambulances that was parked in the parking lot with nobody in them, just sitting still. 
and he was asking mm-hmm. him, where, where are the victims, you know, uh, where are the people that's sick? And he said he didn't know of anybody being sick. And this is the ambulance mm-hmm. driver in right. New York City. So they are preparing for other sinister things Yes, yes. for the people yes. to keep you indoors where you can't really see what's going on. See what's going on, yeah. And some people think that they are putting down the 5G. You know, some people think that that's what's going on. So uh, we really don't know what they're doing, but something is going on. Well, a couple of weeks ago, but, they installed a 5G about a, about a mile and a half from my house. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably one thing that they've got going on that they're doing in the dark. Because I've mm-hmm. seen several, just several trucks that look like they're installing these poles, but they're not putting okay. anything on the poles yet. They're just putting them yeah. in the ground. Okay. Yeah. And who knows? They might have a technology. Okay, that's me. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, I, I was saying they might have they might have technology where they might be wiring them underground or something uh, because the people is complaining. But did you also hear? Uh, I was reading yesterday too that they burning the towers down. People are running trucks into them and burning them five <laughs> G towers down. I saw several uh, uh, videos on that. And and although I don't wish anybody in you know to come to any harm, uh, I'm 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 uh, I'm happy about that. I'm pretty happy about that. It's good for them. But I am super I am super stoked about the Beetle guys. You know okay. I'm hoping that I'm going to be here to see that. I'm I'm waiting for that star to explode. And I need to correct, I got to make a correction for someone in the chat room. When I said that um, that uh, KT Arch degree was Dr. Savy's son, someone said that he mm-hmm. wasn't, he's not his son, but his mother married Dr. Savy. So I, I want to make a correction if I'm saying the wrong thing. Well, then he got the information honest, even though he's not his yeah. biological son. You know, it's but good he that he was there. Yeah. 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 They, the, the person in the chat room said his mother was pregnant when she got with Saber or something like that. But anyway, mm. he was around him, so he got the information. Mm. Oh, yeah. And somebody in the chat room said, somebody in the chat room said that they think that they installed your, uh, your, your, uh, your books. Your, because he said that he looked at on the, on the sci-fi channel. And mm-hmm. there's a show that it sounds just like your uh yours. It's called Vinaigrette, some kind of queen. V a r g r a n t van queen. Vergrant. I'm gonna have to check that. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. Um, they might hmm, if you do could. You like that, dear Sophia? Oh, I'm gonna have to check them out. I'm gonna have to check them out. You know, and I and I'm pretty sure. I mean, the books have been out since 2012, so I'm yeah. pretty sure that they've they've gotten it. And you know, do, but it's not the original. You know, I really don't care what they do. I will look into it, but they do not mm-hmm. have the original. It'll never top the original. Never. Okay. Well, they say. And, and I ever get. Uh-huh. I get the chance okay. to put the chemistry out there. They're gonna know the difference. The people, 
are going to know the difference. Okay. We know mm-hmm. how they do. We know how they operate. Yeah. Uh, they they lie, they cheat, and they steal. Yep, that's what they do. So <laughs> we just have to make sure we protect our stuff. That's all. You know? Exactly. Exactly. But <clears throat> getting back, we were on, I think we're on part 40, 40, 40? No, part 39. No, part 40. And what has happened uh, here at the Chemistry uh, 9X, Melanin X, is that they capture this uh, evil person that worked for the Crown Cross, and his name is Mm -hmm. Baradis McBain. And they've captured Mm -hmm. Femi and Zuri, who is now Kishar and Ishmael, because they're in a different dimension. They've captured Mm -hmm. this guy, and he thinks that he's done a good thing by stealing one of their ships along with a uh, friend that he's made called, his name is Tidigan. And so they've stolen this ship and his accomplice and they've gone out into the universe. They've escaped planet Sirius. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start at part 41. And if everybody's ready, we can start. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Part 41. Siru Sina Key. Don't bother yourself about it. We chose this scatnap to be taken. There's no need to go after him. He's doing what we wanted. He doesn't know he will be leading us to victory and to his demise. Most of the piloting abilities on the scatnap were disabled, but in their place, we added tracking mechanisms to follow him wherever he goes. This was done late last evening when you left the facility. We have signals in different sectors that are monitoring his every move. At this moment, they are strategically in place and intercepting his locations and sending them to me. Once we find out where he's going, We'll take it from there. Sangus, Kisangus is um, one of the men that um, takes care of all the ships, you know, to keep them flying, to keep them up, you know, uh, you know, fixing them. He was a mechanic, just say like that, you oh, know, right. making sure that the ships were in shape. So the, sh- the ship that he was working on was stolen by Tidigan for Varadas. So they've gone. And so Sangus was feeling really bad about it. And he told Kishar, I will go after them if you allow me to, because it was on my watch that they stole the ship. And she's telling him, this is what they wanted him to do so that they can follow wherever he's going to get to the Crown Cross, to get to the big guys, the big guys that's in charge of the evil things that's going on on the planet. Okay, here we go. Sangus was in a much better place in his spirit after he found out this was all a plan. After this information from her, he requested, Queen, I know I'm the lead tech engineer who takes care of the royal fleet, but I would like to be with you taking care of the Vanguard, the Liberator, and the Dagger. And these are three other ships. Okay, I know you have an outstanding crew with you every time you go out, but one more could only add a much-needed backup. 
I've trained over thousands, over a thousand techs, and they're very good. They don't need me here. I'd rather be out there contributing. But you are the best man here on the ground. Sirius needs you while I'm gone. So when I return, I know I can count on you to take great care of us exclusively, she replied. Sangus understood. When Huwaba, the sentinel, who was the most farthest away from the outpost of Gideon K-96, contacted them of Veratus' location, both she and Ishmael knew they had to revisit Gaia once again. They hoped that this was not the path he took. No more did the people on earth needed to endure such horrific destruction again after they had worked so hard to repair and rebuild. It took a very long time for them to repair their way of life. The entire planet was a massive construction zone. And to have it torn to bits again after the sacrifices had been made to those who, without a doubt, hated humans, was nothing less disheartening. Kishar would not stand for it again. Once and for all, with the help of the creators, she was going to put to bed for millions of years. She was going to put it to bed for millions of years. She found this information to be highly relevant and correct, so she addressed the souls of Sirius. It is with great sadness to say that your king, my soldiers, and I have to revisit Earth. Maybe for the last time, it is my hope that we will never have to defend one of the most beautiful planets the creators have ever made. The humans there are under attack again by the troublesome entity called the Crown Cross. We thought we had conquered the surge, but apparently many went into hiding somewhere deep inside the planet. Now they have resurfaced and are interfering in the daily lives of the human population who seem to be getting alone and cohabitating with one another. We are going once again to destroy and end it all from the beginning. Stay humble and at peace as you always have since the beginning before time and rightfully take great care with one another for we will return to resume the spirits of Sirius and Nibiru. Ashmadu spoke up and said, when you return, things here will be as normal as they were when you departed. We will be waiting. They began to gather up the army of one million eye watchers, some in battle cruisers, some in scat nabs, some in huge cargo ships, some in gigantic transports. Kishar and Ishmael headed up the armada by piloting the battle cruiser, the Vanguard. Orders were given to Grish, the sentinel, who was the closest to Earth. His job was to find out what Varadis' destination on the planet was. In this manner, the army would have the upper hand and the ability to surprise the Grand Council. Finally, Varadis landed on the planet, but not where the Sentinel first thought he would. The Sentinel reported to the Vanguard that Varadis 
landed in the Greenland Sea area. He reported that he plowed the craft right into the water, breaking the huge ice blocks as if they were composed of snow. This was not a new revelation to Kishar, since they all knew that anything that had no heart, no soul, and lived by hate would reside in the coldest area known to creation. This was typical of the Dracon and their high-level friends. This is where they survived during the war. They waited until the Atlanteans, the Samarians, and the Olmecs put things back in order on the planet. After the departure of these armies, the Crown Cross decided to resurrect their suppression and evil doings toward a more matriarchal society. The leadership on the planet now, in which it had become once again, was more in tune of how things were in the beginning. Their planning continued under the sea after they were defeated. This was where they would launch their attack on civilization again, but the vanguard would be there to stop it. From their observations up in space, there were vast areas of land that had been damaged and was in terrible shape after the last war. Most of it had been consumed by water from the battle between Sharibra Obi and Ishmael. Much of it could not produce fruit and grains. Vegetation was limited. In her heart, Kishar felt the struggle of the human who had to exist under such terrible conditions, but they were determined to survive. Little did they know what an evil and sinister action against them was about to take place again. All right, Sister Bev, that was part 41, Sina Suraki. Any questions? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, again, it, you know, it seems like that we have uh, evil acts that is being uh, put against uh, the people on the planet here. So uh, I see a correlation that's there. Yeah, they can't produce anything. They can produce things, but they can't produce like they used to. They can't grow anything really to, you know, help them out. They can produce a little mm-hmm. things, but they're still in dire straits after the after that war that she had when before they went up into space and before Veratus followed her into the black hole. Okay. So they okay. they they're kind of cleaning up. You know, the evil is still on the planet, but it's not on the surface. It went underground. It went inside. You know, it's, okay. Inside, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. Uh, the humans okay. is, yeah, and the humans is left on the surface is struggling. So that's where it's mm. at. Okay. 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 Here we go. Part forty. Forever under rule. Down he went, a little more than fifty feet. Slowly he maneuvered the ship, under the cold, icy, and dark murky waters. With the beams on ultra bright, Veratus and his cohort were met with all types of sea creatures. Some were never seen before by man, human, or animal. To him, they were a similar life form, never having to explain what they are or being held accountable for their actions. They just existed 
for better or worse. Some were gigantic as a six-story building and some as small as a whale. So you can see the comparison on some of those animals deep down in the water that we don't even know might even be there now. As they delved deeper, they were startled by an aggressive amphibian that latched himself on the front of the ship by the suction of his extremities. Its big, bulging eyes inspected those inside to make positive they were the ones the Ponticleaf was expecting. It was a draconing and patrolling off the coast of Belgium. Not only did this dracon keep the secrets of the crown down below, he literally kept himself nourished with the wanderings of unsuspecting humans who went out onto the sea to salvage food for their families, only to become food themselves. The dracon sensed that his masters would be expecting Varadus, but with his gills, he exuded an oil of red liquid for him to follow. Down deeper they went, 1,500 feet until, in the distance, Verata saw what looked like lights. Dim, but the closer they came, the more they became clear. What he saw was a city, a very large city, but nonetheless a place where underwater inhabitants dwell. This city nested partially inside of a large cave. There was ongoing activity everywhere he looked. Floating underwater barges were hauling large equipment to small warehouses. Towers made of steel and polymer rested in several parts of the area, but two 100-foot towers stood in the middle of everything. They were akin to the Twin Towers in New York City. These were erected in the middle of this city. Energy combines were strategically placed to maximize power distribution to the warehouses. There were several buildings that resembled residential dwellings, although Veratus wasn't sure what they were. This was a working city with a cause of sorts, a mission to gain access on ground level to emerge out from under the deep. The dracon he encountered pointed toward the entrance to the city. He steered the craft into an arched opening. Once inside, he set the ship down on one of the many platforms that housed other transports that flew up and out into the atmosphere. Suddenly, the chamber began to depressurize. The water slowly began to drain out of the side of the enclosure. Varadus was shutting down the system when a commanding voice came over the ship's calm. Welcome back, Varadus. Glad you could make it. We can't wait to hear your report. Follow Lieutenant Gers. He will show you the way up. Just then, an army of dracons who were armed with their weapons of choice, filed in front of the rear of the scab, filed in from the rear of the scab nap, the scat nap. Tidigan was in fear of his life because even though he helped initiate Baratus' escape, 
to his master's realm, he was not personally invited. When they exited the ship's portal, the jumpy soldiers raised their armor and pointed them toward Veratus and Tidigan. Both fugitives raised their limbs high in the air to surrender peacefully to the soldiers. But before they were allowed to enter, but before they were allowed entry to the top floor of the tower, they were checked and rechecked for weapons on their person, and the ship was scanned and checked thoroughly for safety reasons. Nothing was found. Escorted up the entire 100 floors, and by midway, Veratus thought, since his attempts were foiled, by the combined mighty armies of the Syrians and the Niberians, he thought that his time was up as well. He was in fear for his wretched life. As he traveled up the remaining flights, he grew more troubled in knowing that he failed in bringing in the heads of both Kishar and Ishmael. Soon they were on the top floor. In his mind, he wondered if he could slay his escort and escape back to the cosmos where he felt more confident in dealing Crown Cross, for he felt retaliation from his employers was inevitable. Veratus was afraid. It showed all over his hideous face. Walking down the longest hallway he had ever saw in his miserable life, Tidigan was in awe of the sea that could be viewed 360 degrees. At any moment, it seemed like the water that surrounded them would come crashing into the protected barrier. The walk felt as though it would never allow them to reach their destination with the dark power that awaited them. What hellfire would he be subjected to? Who knows? Maybe the crown would be lenient. Maybe the crown would give him a second chance to prove himself once again. Or maybe they would have his head. Either way, Veratus was silently making his peace with the devil. Maybe his soulless spirit will give him a chance to prove himself with the brothers of evil. Around the corner was another long and dark hallway right after they had completed the first one. The longer the walk became, the longer the fears, fears built up in his being. He imagined all sorts of punishment and torture he would face at the hands of the Drays. He knew how evil he could be toward his enemies, but it was nothing compared to what they would do to him. At the end of the long walk, it finally ended at a large entrance. A steel gray door was the only thing that stood between him, Tidigan, and his master. What a sick feeling it must be to have no idea what was on the other side. All right, Sister Bev. Any questions okay, on that? Uh, so, yeah, someone in the chat room wants to know, uh, what happened to the female robot that the president left with the message? It was in uh, the war. 
uh, what happened to her. I guess she was, uh, I hadn't wrote, written anything about her. I imagine she was destroyed in the war with all the rest of them. So what happened because, you know, that was, it was a massive, mm, excuse me? Didn't, she, didn't he leave her with a message? Yeah, she gave them the message. She had them in the folders, manila folders, that the president gave her to give to um, uh, uh, Rupa, Rupa and her children. You know, the president was in love with Rupa's daughter. And the president before him, they had Rupa's daughter all the time. And he was letting them know what the Crown Cross was doing on the planet. That was that was the information that she had in those envelopes to give them a heads up on where the evil was. And so when he did that and gave you know gave that information to her, you know they killed him. You know he just dropped dead in Africa. Right. Yeah. Now wait a minute. Who is the person? Let them know who the person that they he she the robot gave the message to. She uh, she gave it to Micaiah and Jotham. Those were Rupa's children. Okay. And you know, uh, Femi and Zuri went with Rupa to Virginia to see to, and Africa went too because they was wondering why did these why did they go? I mean, the world was in it was it was starting to explode then. It was about okay. to explode. It was the the war was about to kick. Actually, the war kicked off. The war kicked off after they found out that the president had gave them that information. And you remember they mm. were running. They were running from that bus station, and they, was, they had to find a better place to talk. And so they went out with a lot of people in this, um, like a park. And they were sitting there. And then uh, the eye watcher that accompanied Jotham and Micaiah there to meet the robot, okay, they found out, you know, he went to get water. And when he turned around, you know, they were like, you know, there was armies coming at him. And so they had to escape. And which, you know, the robot didn't escape. But, you know, Femi right. and Rupa and all of them, they left. They was able to go get away. But the robot, I guess, you know, in my mind, she she was destroyed after that. Maybe during she self-destructed. That, that I mean, yeah, okay. during that battle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, so that's the, what happened to her. Now, Rufa, the mother, she was the one that liked it. Finney's daddy wasn't she the scientist? Yeah, she liked men and she liked men with power. You know, she had already okay. had an affair with you know <laughs> the first so-called melanated president. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah. And so uh, when she had that baby, you know, Micaiah, she was involved with the president that was married to Lilith. And, you know, Lilith had been, ever since she was two years old, she had been prepped with a Dracon. Mm-hmm. And so she had a baby, and his name was Abigail Lynn Foster, the beautiful Abigail Lynn Foster. He was evil. That way he was half Dracon and half human and half humanoid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but the president thought it was his child, but it wasn't his child. It was a Dracon prepped mm. to do some damage in this, yeah, mm-hmm. during this time on Earth. Yeah. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. That's all okay. in the war. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. I okay. bet they don't have that going on. In, I bet they don't have that going on in uh, sci- on Sci-Fi Channel. See, that's why I say well, when the original comes out, the people will know. Okay. Well, check it out anyway and let us know. I will. Okay. I certainly will, Sister Beth. I certainly will. So we can do another? Okay. Yes, okay. we got time. Okay. All right. Well, here we go with part 39. We're finally getting to it. Part 39, The Crown. Part 39, The Crown. The huge, vast room was replicated like an open Roman basilica. The colorful walls were arched everywhere you looked. Inside those arches were crosses. There were intricate designs of paintings that were saved during the First Galactic War. Statues of men were 10 feet tall. Then there were statues of beings that, oddly enough, were not men. They stood 20 to 25 feet tall. The concrete floor was painted in different colors of gold, gray, and white. On them, it showed how people of long ago were being led to the slaughter. In four rows, there was seating, and each row could seat 500 entities. In the center of the front of the room was a statue of a two-legged dragon with its long neck wrapped around the baphomet. It was mind-boggling to know that something of this measure would be maintained under the sea. But advanced artificial technology could do miraculous things. Varadis and Tidigan became very afraid of what was coming next. Lieutenant Gers ordered them to sit in the middle in front of the 50-foot huge altar. They were left there all alone. It was silent, cold, and dark. Suddenly, they heard a loud shrill. It took them by surprise. Not knowing what it was, they both became defensive, clutching their fists together, as these were the only weapons they had. Just as horrifying, just as the horrifying sounds grew louder, no sooner had they dissipated into a lull. Varadis knew someone or something had been tortured or sacrificed. Again, they withstood the silence and long wait in anticipation of whom they would face. And with this wait, Tidigan felt it was a psychological punishment on Varadis' part of his failure to successfully complete an order from the crown. Seconds were minutes. Minutes were hours. Finally, in came a jaw walk. It was an ugly, hairless thing. As all jaw walks are, it had the normal two hands and webbed feet, but they were abnormally long and swanky. Its ashen gray face 
was 15 inches long and hung down to its belly. It moved around slow when not in battle, but when it came to fighting, it was one of the fastest soldiers the crown managed to acquire. To Tidigan's surprise, in came another one and another. After that, until there were more than 20 surrounding the space between the gallery and the podium where the bone chairs, they gathered close together while chanting, Obadah, Obanani, Magistar Monday, Obadah, Obanani, Magistar Monday. What could be coming out next, thought Varadas. What was so devastating that the Jawwalks could be chanting, Master of the Universe, in Latin? Foreboding as it all seemed, the semi-dark room suddenly lit up like 3,000 candles at once. The light surrounded the image, the light surrounded the image was of a human. This figure of a man, very tall in stature and showing a bit of feebleness, was wearing a black robe. On his head was a crown of bones. His menacing eyes glowed yellow. They were extremely glassy in appearance. His skin was blotched, dry, and sores were spread over its entirety. It showed signs of aging. He carefully took a seat upon the throne of old bones. He was at least 100 years old. Tidigan asked himself, what is this being? Who is he? He looks powerful and commanding, although he looks like he could not swat a fly. He's so weak. Both I and Veratus could break through all those who stand there protecting him and hold him as a hostage while we demand our freedom. Once seated, he took note of his surroundings. He then turned his attention to the two unsuccessful renegades who stood before him. With the sound of forceful anger, the Crown Cross demanded an answer to his question. So you did not bring back what we asked for, Admiral Varadis. I see no head of our enemy before my feet. Kishar and the vanguard will never defeat me. I demand to know why they have set you free. Sir, we escaped on our own. No one knows we are gone. At least in the universe, we were not followed. And certainly, they will never know you and your people survived what was done to you. Not down here anyway. I have within myself all the confidence that when we strike back, we will decimate all those who come before you. And your majesty, I want to play a big part in whatever your plan is. Forgive me, he replied with a visibly frightened Varadis. You will, Varadis, you will. That's why I'm expecting a very, very important soldier who will be joining us in this campaign. Not only will my leader be fruitful in defeating the Syrians, the Niberians, and all the rest of the small, worthless armies they bring with them, 
but my fighting armies will have a very powerful soldier by their side to accommodate in the defeat of anyone assisting them in their doom. The Ponticlef of Wasapia will be very satisfied when we hand him their heads and offer him their defeat. When you partake in this war, you must be sure to bring me the sword of the Nibu. That is all I desire. The rest of the Ponticlef will surely want to receive it. Varadus, if you fail me again, you and your partner will wish you were in hell for you. Wish you wish you were in hell for you. It will be torture for the rest of your life in an endless prison on Warsapia. I will visit you from time to time to see how the hot, searing metal prongs have found their way all over your entire bodies. Okay, Sister Bev. I think that was part 39. Okay. Well, you know, it was mm-hmm. interesting that you were talking about the dragon. And you know the dragon is the symbol of China. And so you know all that this is going on with the dragon. And you were also talking about advanced technology. You also was talking about the propaganda uh, punishment, uh, psychological, I mean, punishment. And that's mm-hmm. what we're dealing with, psychological uh you know, attack, you know, we're dealing with advanced technology, we're dealing with the China. So, again, those correlations, and you talked about the gold, the gray, the white, you know, and they're talking about putting us back on the gold standard again. Yeah, I, um, what's happening is he's getting, he's, he's getting a beat down, really, he's, he's getting a talking to you know, mm-hmm. by his mm-hmm. so-called daddy that he's, he messed okay. up. Um, you know, he, he thinks that Varadis actually escaped, but what he, but what even Varadis didn't know that he was allowed to go so that they could follow where, so that Kishar can know where he is. They, mm-hmm. uh, they, they rigged the ship that he stole so they know okay. where he's going. And unfortunately, she found out that he went back to Earth because the Pontecleve and the Crown Cross is hiding within the Earth. And so he's chastising him for not bringing their heads into him because he was supposed to kill him. He was supposed to get him when he went through that black hole. You know, mm-hmm. he was supposed to have won that. And so he's, he's pissed off at it. And he's got somebody else. He's got another entity that's coming in there that's going to help them hopefully help them defeat Kishore and the Vanguard, which mm-hmm. we have to read about that part. But, you know, that's mm-hmm. what he's telling him. In, in other words, he's giving him another chance. And he said if you fail, and he told him if you fail him again, you know, he was going to mm-hmm. go to an endless prison on Marsapia, which is where uh, Barotha, we're going to meet Barotha, I think probably, I don't know if it's okay. in the next chapter or not, but he's over, okay. he's head of the Crown Cross. In other words, he's head mm-hmm. of the, you know, the Pope and all of them. This this mm-hmm. entity is not even from this planet that we're going to meet. His name is Barotha. He's not even Barotha. He's not even from here. Like we have some okay. entities that we don't know that, well, something's going on on this planet that no human is in control of. I just feel mm-hmm. I just feel that way. So we're going to meet and, this one. And, you know, I think the next. 
Yeah, but I just see a lot of the correlation. I know it's fiction, mm-hmm. but who is to yeah. say that they're not fighting? You know, he keeps saying an invisible war, but who, what, what do we know that they could be fighting? Why is they shooting up all them satellites in the sky? Uh, you know, some people say it's to put a barrier around the earth. You know how they show you, to me, it's like how they show you in those uh, movies where when you're being attacked, you know, it, it, it's like it bounces back to the person that's a, like a shield. How do we know they're not putting a shield? How do we know that there's not some kind of space fight that is going on, that they got a space war they added to the military? I mean, it's, it's things that's going on behind the scenes. And exactly you know, what so, your book is about could be exactly what is going on. And, and I was just going to mention that because in the war, you know, they had those barriers up in the war all over the planet. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was in the war. So I, uh, what did I, did I call, I don't know, I can't, uh, what did I call them? But anyway, they're, they're in the war. So, yeah, I get it, you know, and, yeah. and who knows? What this, in, you know, he's saying invisible war, which he's trying to tell everybody is the virus, you know, because you can't see no, a virus. It's you else. know, it's invisible. No, no. It's, it is. No. It's, it's something else. Yes, yeah. 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 And so, you know, this, what, you, what you're reading to us could very well be what's going on. And I, he's the first president I heard that added another uh, part to the military, space force or space whatever. Yeah, Space Force, he did. Mm-hmm. 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 So, you know, it's several reasons. It's several. It's more than one or two reasons why they want to keep you yes. indoors. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and, I, and especially and I, also it, believe, and I also believe about what we talked about earlier, about that black hole exploding, too. I believe that is beneficial, though. Well, they're saying that, you know, when it does explode, it's going to be, you're going to be able to see it like you see the moon, you know, like you see a full moon, Mm -hmm. even though it's millions Mm -hmm. of miles away. That's how huge Mm -hmm. uh, this Beetlegeist is. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm hoping I get to see it. I I really, I hope it explodes now instead of 100,000 years from now. Oh, listen to me. But... (laughs) <laughs> I, I would like to be here to see it. <laughs> right. Right. Well, Sister Seta, uh, so we did three chapters, right? We did 41, 40, and 39. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next part That's that okay. we'll do is part 38. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All righty. Well, uh, tell the people where they can get your book if they want an autograph book, if they want a book that you have in strip form, uh, how, how can they get your your book, your writing? Okay, they can go to the website at chemistryfiles.com, and at the very last page where it says email me, they can fill that out and give me their information and tell me what they would like, and I will send them whatever novel they would like autographed. And like I said last week, uh, if they wanted all five, all shipping and handling charges will be on me. Of course, if mm-hmm. they wanted one through four, they would be responsible for that. But if they order all five, of course, it's on me. And which one do you have that's in uh, 
when you're making it into a movie? Which one that is written like that? Which one do you have that's written like that? The one that's in script form right now is the first one, uh, Bright Light, which started it all. You know, it starts okay. the whole story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, Sister Seta, as always, we appreciate it. And uh, someone in the chat room say they, they love your work. And so we look forward to next thank, Thursday. Thank you. <laughs> Same I would time. love to have some calls, but... I know I'm here, but I appreciate it. And thank you, uh, family in the chat room. I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you. We appreciate your work. So we look forward to next Thursday. All right. Peace and love. I'll be. Okay. (laughs) Peace, love, family. Thank you. Thank you. See you tomorrow, everybody, with Tuckmos. I'm trying to get the music on.
Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com.